Okay, so <coughs> once again, we're looking at Lama Tsongkhapa's great treatise on the stage of the path to enlightenment, specifically the section in training the mind, the stage of the path for beings of great capacity, and specifically within that section, under a category uh, called maintaining and not weakening what you have attained. And this is specifically related to the spirit of enlightenment. So uh, this is the section that we're going to begin in. And when you look at that major heading uh, related to bodhicitta and the bodhisattva vows, maintaining and not weakening what you have attained, there are two categories. First category relates to maintaining and not weakening what you have attained and dealing with that in this lifetime. So training the precepts that cause you not to weaken uh, your spirit of enlightenment in this lifetime. And then the second category of training in the precepts that cause you not to separate from your spirit of enlightenment in future lifetimes. Uh, so these are the first two categories. And then the first category, there are four categories. Uh, the first category, which we've already gone through, is training in the spirit of the precept to recall the benefits of the spirit of enlightenment uh, in order to increase the strength and enthusiasm for it. So we went through those various categories with Jayan Sheba's um, outline of, of nine and so forth. Uh, and then the second category, the training in the precept to generate the spirit of enlightenment six times each day in order to increase the actual spirit of enlightenment. Uh, that's where we'll begin today. And then the third category is the training in the precept not to mentally abandon the living beings for whose sake you develop the spirit of enlightenment. And then the fourth category deals with the accumulation of the um, exalted wisdom and merit. So the training in a precept to accumulate the collections of merit and sublime wisdom. So those are the four categories. We've already gone through the first category of the benefits, and now we'll go through the um, uh, point to recall. Uh, and this is a recollection of the spirit of enlightenment six times a day, three and three, by way of three and three. Uh, so if you turn to, in English, the page 73, uh, you'll in the second volume, uh, you'll find that category with two separate um, outline points made there. Uh, and in the Tibetan, I'd say we're on 329. We are on 329. 
So it says, if you then see that living beings are so numerous and their behavior is so mean, uh, or that the time wherein you must strive for many eons is long, or that you must train the two collections that are limitless and difficult to do, and you take this as a reason to become discouraged, to abandon your responsibility to develop the spirit of enlightenment, it is a greater sin than a cardinal transgression of the vows of individual liberation. Um, so here the meaning of this is if you have made this commitment to all sentient beings and made this commitment uh, in the presence of all of the Buddhas, Bodhisattvas, Dakas, Dakinis, and you have committed to this, if you were uh, to engage in a non-virtue among the ten non-virtues, there are three non-virtues of the body, four non-virtues, uh, I think Rinpoche named them, three non-virtues of the body, killing, stealing, sexual misconduct, four non-virtues of the speech, um, lying, harsh words, gossip, and divisive speech, and there are three non-virtues of the mind, um, harmful intent, covetousness, and wrong view. Um, so if one engages in any among those negativities, it would be less of a transgression than if he or she um, had, uh, it, would, it would be less of a transgression than if he or she had given up his or her bodhicitta uh, or spirit of en enlightenment even for a moment. So just a sort of attraction to, say, the prachika Buddha vehicle um, would cause this um, to occur. So it would cause this infraction. So if someone who's a bodhisattva um, has these thoughts that sentient beings are vast and they're mean and I just, I can't, uh, I can no longer commit to this and just for a moment becomes attracted to the solitary realizer vehicle or a lesser vehicle. At that moment, he or she is committed a worse non-virtue than if uh, a cardinal transgression takes place. So here, cardinal uh, root uh, um, transgression, um, we can look at it in terms of um, different types of vows, but a root, we can say those four mentioned before of killing, stealing, um, sexual misconduct and lying are the four root, but the individual liberation, that could also refer to those ten non-virtues speaking to cardinal transgressions. So it depends on if we're speaking of uh, to a fully ordained status, a root transgression among the individual liberation, or if we're speaking, uh, it depends on the vow holder, him, his or herself as a note. Um, so it says the verse summary of the perfection of wisdom in 8,000 lines states, Though you practice the ten virtuous actions for ten million eons, if you then generate the wish to become a Prachika Buddha Arhat, you damage and weaken your ethical discipline as a Bodhisattva. This breach of the spirit of enlightenment is far more serious than a cardinal transgression. So if you've engaged in the ethics that's abandoned the ten non-virtuous activities for eons, that one moment of attraction to the Prachika Buddha uh, vehicle or the Prachika Buddha foe destroyer destroys um, more virtue than was created because you have that now created an infraction related to your spirit of en enlightenment. And because of the basis, power of basis, it is a much more extreme uh, consequence. Um, so now it says... I just want to see where the Anyerangi. Has not given Matuana, Sonje, Tomba de Bazije, Tanya, but then the Manyerangi, you don't was it. Nyerangi, you don't want us, Nibad, 
جہاں جی نیراؤں کے یہ دو بتن ماں نیراؤں کے یہ دو بتیں دو سن رہے جرم سے نیراؤں کے یہ دو بتنے شاہسن جی چھوٹی چھوئیں بیس رانی چی بھی چھ تھا دو تھوڑا نے بسانو کابل کابل چھوٹی تھے ชูยินเบตินยานาชาเซตุติเรตุติเรวายินลาสชาชาจุเซมิตงบัญญาบาเรตุติเรวาเรตินมันดูนาสรานิจิบิเจตุเรมเชกงเกมเมปิชิกเ
Okay, so number two uh, begins here. Restraint from Shravaka and Prachakabuddha considerations is the Bodhisattva's highest ethical discipline. So were Bodhisattvas to weaken this restraint, they would destroy their ethical discipline. For if Bodhisattvas do not cast aside such restraint, then even were they to indulge in sensory pleasures, they would not destroy the attitude of restraint that is unique to the Bodhisattva. Again, the verse summary of the perfection of wisdom in 8,000 lines states. Um, so here it's showing that the spirit of enlightenment, that commitment, um, needs to be the primary um, vow, if you will, that's intact. So that has to remain intact over all other things. Um, so that motivates, so that has to remain intact. You can't transgress that um, if you're a bodhisattva in any way. Um, so if one has to engage in something that would seem negative in order to not transgress that bodhisattva vow, then he or she has to, and that does not cause for a negative consequence. So it says... Um, Though bodhisattvas enjoy the five sensory objects, so the five sensory objects are things, uh, forms, smells, tastes, sounds, tactile sensations. So it's saying if uh, they enjoy any among those five sensory objects, if they take refuge in the Buddha, the teaching, and the community of noble beings and fix their minds on omniscience thinking, I will attain Buddhahood, understand that these adepts keep the perfection of ethical discipline. So it's saying that bodhisattvas, if they maintain, fix their mind on omniscience, meaning maintain the spirit of enlightenment, then even though they um, engage the five senses, that engagement isn't a non-virtue because it has been engaged by force of the spirit of enlightenment. So that engagement has to be by force of bodhicitta for it to be a, not a non-virtue. Um, so uh, that's what is meant by number two. Digson. Mobile 
Okay, so number two uh, deals with this. If they give up their promised intention, they must wander for a long time in miserable realms. Um, we're three categories. Tom, they're the Ewa Som Rimbache. Ewa Som is on. The Saji Som Dine, Sombatre. Yening the Kasang Zendra, the Somba, the May, the Mipa, Mawa, the Norbu, Ragadu. Okay. <coughs> so my concern is just to, uh, with the outline, Jayan Sheba outline right now, um, because I remember last class, the third category was the, we're, we would be at the third category now, and last class, the third category was the heap of uh, the blind person finding a jewel. Um, so uh, so there are four categories last time. And so anyway, uh, the commentary and the meaning of the contents, what's most important, where we're placing it isn't as important, but I just want to point that out. Anyone who's keeping t notes from class to class, there's something going on here, um, so we'll figure it out. It's not a huge thing, um, but I'm going to hold off on the, the count for, for the time being. Um, so anyway, the next part uh, comes from engaging in the bodhisattva deeds. It is said that once people decide to give a small amount of a simple thing and then do not give it, they cause themselves rebirth as a hungry ghost. So how, 
doesn't give a small portion of uh, a simple thing that they had intended to give to someone, then it says it causes them to be born as a hungry ghost. So imagine if they give up their spirit of enlightenment, what would happen? So that's the point that's being made here in uh, um, Shanti Deva's Guide to the Bodhisattva's Way of Life. Um, it's saying that um, imagine if, if just this uh, intention to give and then not giving causes a, a hungry ghost rebirth. Imagine the intention to give everyone liberation uh, um, being removed. How much greater a consequence that would be. Uh, so that's the next next category. And now we're going four. So it's going to be a fourth category. So that's three. Number four is uh, this next part. Okay, Dixon. The Matamashade, the and so that's number, uh, this will be number four. Uh, so my mistake if I said three. Um, now uh, there'll be, f uh, there are four categories in this and that makes it completely clear. Uh, therefore, it also says, like a blind person finding a jewel in a heap of garbage, by chance the spirit of enlightenment has risen in me. Think how 
very wonderful that I have attained something like this and never give it up, devoting particular attention to this vow over and over not to give it up for even an instant. Um, so if a blind person had found a jewel in a heap of garbage, he or she would be overcome with joy. <coughs> um, so uh, he or she would be overcome with joy, and we would see that this happening doesn't occur very, very often. Uh, this, or this would be very rare, or this, this occurring would be... There's a very little chance for this to occur, very small chance for a blind person to be able to find a jewel in a heap of garbage, and if he or she did, they'd be overcome with joy. Um, so here it says, by chance the spirit of enlightenment has risen in me. Very, very small chance that the spirit of enlightenment arises in a being. And it says, this, per this Shantideva, this is from Shantideva, he's saying, I have this mind that aspires to enlightenment aris has arisen. Um, and uh, the, the, it's very rare, and it isn't something that happens very often. Um, so this is the point that's being made. So what comes from that is, is that once you realize that the spirit of enlightenment is something that doesn't happen very often, um, and you have the joy that occurs after you realize the benefits and so forth, then this will make you not want to lose your spirit of awakening. This will make you not want to ever give it up. It will encourage you. Um, so that's why it says in this second part, Lama Tsongkhapa says to do this over and over again. Think about what a rare chance it is that the spirit of enlightenment uh, has occurred um, it, and, and how wonderful it is. You get this joy that a blind person finding a jewel would get when you think about the benefits, because a jewel is beneficial. The benefits of the mind that aspires to enlightenment cause you to have joy. And that joy, how very wonderful that I have attained something like this. So it, it's by chance the spirit of enlightenment has arisen in me. There's a very small chance for it to occur. It has occurred. Uh, so it says, how wonderful that I have attained something like this, something that is a very small chance to occur, I've achieved. And something like this, something this wonderful. Why is it wonderful? Because of the benefits uh, that occur from it. And, and it says, devoting particular attention to this, to these facts that surround it, uh, how uh, small a chance it is for it to occur, how wonderful it is, the benefits of it, and so forth. By going over and over that, it says by devoting particular attention to this, vow over and over never to give it up for even an instant. Um, because you know that one instant of giving it up, if you compare it to not giving away a small portion of food to a sentient being and that causing hungry ghost, you compare that to giving up this um, desire to free all sentient beings, you see that that would be much worse. So then it says not to give it up for even an instant because you see that an instant of giving it up um, causes all of these negativities. This instant of, of being um, um, uh, in, or, or att attracted uh, to, to the um, Prachika Buddha 
is worse than a cardinal transgression of the individual liberation vow. So it's, that's why it says not to give it up even for an instant, uh, because that instant can cause more non-virtue than this transgress, root transgression of a cardinal uh, individual liberation vow. So that's the connective uh, points. Um, and uh, yeah, so that completes all four categories um, that are under the main heading, not giving up your development of the aspirational spirit of enlightenment. Dixon. The Kanga Samazu Sung I told Rinpoche that I connected it and clarified the four, so he said good. Less so. So there are definitely four categories in that section. Okay. Jibba 
Um, I deepa tamche susushag. I I confess all of my non-virtues and rejoice in the good of all ho- uh, holy beings. Um, I may I, I take this uh, bodhisattva vow. Um, um, May, may, you, may I receive this bodhisattva vow. Um, so it's something like that that we recite when we take the bodhisattva vow in ceremony. Um, so this is another way to do it, and it's just the refuge prayer. I go for refuge until enlightenment uh, in, to the Buddha, the teaching, and the community. By the merit of practicing giving in the uh, six perfections, may I achieve Buddhahood in order uh, to help living beings. Uh, this is just another way to translate that. Um, uh, so this is a, uh, if this is, re- this should be then uh, repeated three times uh, um, during each of those three times in the morning and three times at night. Um, so uh, I think everybody gets the point. It's 18 in total, but each time you do it, three, this, th- um, this refuge and altruistic um, intention um, prayer um, each time, three times. So now we'll get into the third category, which is training the precept uh, not to mentally uh, uh, abandon the living beings for whose sake you develop the spirit of enlightenment. Uh, so that's category number three. Okay. Okay. <laughs> London Okay, so number three, the training in the precept not to mentally abandon the living beings for whose sake you develop the spirit of enlightenment. Although this precept is not found in the pertinent sections of the lamp for the path to enlightenment or ritual procedures for the spirit of enlightenment and the bodhisattva vows, in his commentary on the difficult points of the lamp for the path to enlightenment, Atisha says, by caring for and not abandoning living beings, you maintain the spirit of enlightenment for the sake of its object, its benefits, the ritual for generating it, its general increase, and not forgetting it. It is listed in this context and does not contradict the intended meaning of the root text, so train in this also. 
The measure of mentally abandoning living beings is when you produce the thought, now I will never work for this person's welfare, based upon some conditions such as unacceptable actions, etc. Um, so the measure of mentally abandoning, the meaning of this is um, uh, what qualifies as a mental abandonment. It could be translated as that, exactly like that too. So it, you could translate this as um, what qualifies as mentally abandoning living beings is when you produce the thought. Um, so that would be how I would translate it. But, um, so. The, what qualifies as mentally abandoning living beings is when you produce the thought, now I will never work for the person's welfare. Um, so this is basically just the measure of uh, showing um, how, how you know if you've given, given up beings mentally. So it's just the, what qualifies is that, how you know. What's an indication? Or you could translate it like that. The indication that you have mentally abandoned living beings is when you produce the thought. It's another way to translate it. Digson. <laughs> So again, what quali if someone were to say, posit what qualifies for uh, um, mentally abandoning living beings, um, you would say, the thought, now I will never work for this person's welfare. Uh, so, uh, what qualifies as mentally abandoning living beings, um, so, or also, what qualifies as a decline in the spirit of awakening, you could explain it like that, or a loss, this nyampa, this, you could say, it can translate it as loss or decline, um, so uh, it's, the word loss works because when you have this thought, at that moment, you have no spirit of enlightenment. So the word loss is a good translation, but it indicates other things that make it seem like it's gone. But the, at that time, it is lost. Um, so this word loss does work. Um, uh, so you have lost your mind, your spirit of awakening, if you abandon living beings. How do you know if you've abandoned living beings? What's a, wh what... What is an abandonment of living beings? An abandonment of living beings is a thought, never, now I will never work for this person's welfare. And, and you, you have reasons based on conditions such as they're no, not good enough or they're terrible or they have bad actions, etc. Um, so that's how you 
get through the meaning of this, what the loss of the spirit of enlightenment is mentally abandoning living beings. Mentally abandoning living beings is the thought that I won't work for this person's welfare because of A, B, C, D, etc. Uh, so that's uh, the point of this section, uh, what indicates uh, a mental abandonment. And uh, um, if you mentally abandon living beings, you have mentally abandoned your spirit of awakening, your spirit of enlightenment. So you have lost, when you do that, your bodhicitta. Okay, decent. Rimache chutsjupa. Okay, okay. Okay, decent. Or the, yeah. uh, we'll take a short break uh, and we'll be right back. Kai Kasam. Yene, this shade of Selbudu. The Jawa, the shade. Kanga do the. Send the Sanjim Yamzu Lobolo Jedeva. Lesser. And the. Pearl Lova. Sanjim and Ladu Jibalova Niji. Oh, the Taji. Lesser. Sumba. Sanjim Lumabo, the Taro. Lesser. Okay, so uh, we've gone through now, looking back at the outline, the four categories. Training in the precept to recall the benefits of the spirit of enlightenment in order to increase the strength of your enthusiasm for it. We finished that and we went over the nine points within it. The training and the precept to generate the spirit of enlightenment six times each day in order to increase the actual spirit of enlightenment. We went over that and the four categories that are presented within it. The third category, the training and the precept not to mentally abandon the living beings who, for whose sake you develop the spirit of enlightenment. We've completed that in its two categories. Now we move on to the fourth category, which is that union of... Uh, the collections, the me method and wisdom, or uh, the collection of merit and collection of sublime wi wisdom that's necessary to accumulate. So, training the precept to accumulate the collections of the sublime wisdom and merit. So that's number four. Okay, Zippa Gatsiere. Conchula Macho and 
Okay, so the training in the precepts that cause, uh, I'm sorry, training in the precept to accumulate the collections of merit and sublime wisdom. Uh, so what are these collections and what do they create? What does the collection of merit create? What does the collection of sublime wisdom create? Um, so it's said, uh, just like when you place your hands into the sand, they leave an imprint. Likewise, these collections produce specific results, just as uh, the hand leaves an imprint in the sand. The collection of merit is said to leave the imprint of the emanation body and the enjoyment body. Um, so the creator of the emanation enjoyment body is the collection of merit. The collection of sublime wisdom is to said to leave the imprint of or be the creator of um, the dharmakaya, the truth body. Um, so within the truth body, the cessation, true cessations, as well as omniscience. Um, so the collection of sublime wisdom uh, imp leaves the imprint of or creates the truth body, which is omniscience and true cessations, and the collection of merit creates the enjoyment body and the emanation body. Okay, so the de what is the definition of a collection of sublime wisdom and the definition of the collection of merit? Um, so we can say that the, the definition of... Uh, okay, so it, let me back it up. If we were to be asked... Um, Give me an example of the collection of uh, sublime merit. We would say bodhicitta or compassion. The spirit of awakening, the spirit of enlightenment or compassion is an example of a collection of merit. Um, so why is this? If we say what is the definition then of a collection of merit? The definition of a collection of merit is that which is in the lineage of that which gives rise to the form body of a Buddha, uh, or um, gives rise to, uh, just as uh, a hand leaves an imprint in the sand, uh, this mind that aspires to enlightenment gives rise to the form body of a Buddha. So the, de the divisions of form body of a Buddha are the emanation body and the enjoyment body. So the, the way that we know that the subject bodhicitta is a collection of merit 
it falls under the category of collection of merit is because it's within the lineage of things that gives rise to the form body of a Buddha. If it's within the lineage of those things which give rise to the form body of, of the Buddha, then it is necessarily um, the collection of merit. So that's how you would look at it. So if it's, if it's a subject which, which is in the lineage which gives rise to the form body, then it's necessarily the subject which is a collection of merit. And because bodhicitta, or the spirit of enlightenment, gives rise to the form body, it is necessarily falls categorically under the collection of merit. Kangalaso. Uh-huh. And the definition of the collection of exalted wisdom is that which is in, within the, lin- the subject that is within the lineage that gives rise to the truth body of a Buddha. Uh, so those are, that's how you qualify. That's the definition. The definition of, the f- of uh, uh, merit, collection of merit, is that which gives rise to a form body. The definition of the collection of exalted wisdom is that which gives rise to a truth body. And, and within the lineage, the subject which is within the lineage of that which gives rise to um, so everything's in the lamp, right? He said. stanza. I don't know if we're saying eight. Shiloka Gatsir Juje. Okay, so stanza number 45 uh, in the Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment, we find the clarification um, of what, uh, 44 uh, on, where we find the clarification of what is uh, the difference between uh, method and wisdom or skillful means and wisdom. Um, so it says, to eliminate doubts concerning what is called wisdom and what skillful means, I shall make clear the difference between skillful means and wisdom. Apart from the perfection of wisdom, all virtuous practice, such as the perfection of giving, are uh, the gatsi logo. Jimmy <laughs>
Okay, so apart from perfection of wisdom, all virtuous practice, such as the perfection of giving or generosity, are described as skillful means by the victorious ones. So anything that is not categorically under the perfection of wisdom. So if we're looking at um, the, the difference between what could, is an object or a subject that is wisdom and what is a subject that is method, um, we would say that anything that falls outside of wisdom um, is necessarily method. Virtuous practices falling outside of wisdom. Decent. <laughs> So when we look at the six perfections, so here we have the example of generosity and then ethics. Uh, so those first two, would they be me method or wisdom? Concentration. So is the subject concentration the collection of merit? What about the wisdom, the think, the thought, uh, which is uh, the wisdom realizing emptiness? This concentration, this single pointed, is this wisdom, or is this method? So this is how doubts occur when you. So we find in the lamp for the path to enlightenment, this to eliminate doubts, what is called wisdom and what skillful means, this is uh, written about, uh, this clarification of the difference. Apart from the perfection of wisdom, all virtuous practices, such as the perfection of giving, are described as uh, skillful uh, means by the victorious ones. Um, so we see this point in the lamp um, made uh, related to the clarification of what is a uh, skillful means and what is wisdom. Uh, so, Dixon. <laughs> Okay. Okay. So this becomes even more difficult when you think about this. So you say, uh, so the wisdom realizing emptiness isn't a cause for 
the enjoyment body or the emanation body? Oh, if you say it is a cause, if you say the wisdom realizing emptiness is a cause for the wisdom body and the emanation body, then you're saying that it is a collection of, of method. It isn't collection of wisdom because it's necessarily a cause for the enjoyment body and the emanation body. So it becomes difficult when you see this point that's made that the uh, method causes the emanation and the enjoyment body and the wisdom causes the truth body. When you, when you take out the wisdom realizing emptiness, could you have an enjoyment body? Could you have an emanation body? So this is where these debates begin to, you question the point that's made. Um, then what co contributing cause is there? How do they contribute to that arisal if we're saying that it's only this that causes that? So they say that then they... <coughs> I can't remember... So one can say that the collection of method is responsible for the Yanjar Surinang Rinpoche, the Tama, Tama Kuna. I don't know if I'm going to say that. I don't know if I'm going to say that. Okay, girl. What do you think about it? The put on pomo. Pull charge of a ina, put the pamanil jibber. Lesser, pamanigo, Lamaniga guru, nigga guru, lesser. Ne pug a buggy jugandeshi were a mage, ne buggy jugandeshi were Okay. So it's very, so it's saying um, uh, very similar. So we do say that there are obviously that the collection of merit is a contributing cause to both the um, form body and the, the truth body, uh, but we say it's not the root. We say it's a contributing factor, but it's not the root uh, cause of it. When we look to what the root or the chief cause of uh, the emanation bodies, uh, the enjoyment and emanation bodies are, we would say merit, but we would also say the contributing cause is the collection of wisdom as well. So this is a way to get out of that argument to understand it. We could say that it's a contributing cause versus a chief cause. Um, um, but it's the same thing as if we were to say, okay, we have a child. We have a girl and we have a boy child. And they have parents. So what is it? what did the mother or father uh, make of the boy child? What did the mother or father make of the girl child? Um, so what... what how, how is that child caused? Because they have two parents, um, but we have a boy and a girl. Um, so it's just thinking along those lines that uh, the two parents are, are necessary in order for the child's arisal. Uh, what, what, did, uh, what influenced was, it's almost like what influence was there to make it a boy or make it a girl that was more so than the other? It's just something like that that became the chief uh, the chief cause for her to be a girl or her to be a boy. Something along those, those lines. I'm sorry if I'm not translating it exact, but that's the example Rimache is giving, that a child has parents and you have a boy, you have a girl, 
you could say, what did the mother create with the boy? What did the mother create with the girl? And start to analyze that. It'd be the same. You have this uh, mind that aspires to enlightenment. You have this collection of method, uh, which is that. And you have the collection of wisdom, which are both like the parents too. Uh, the, the Buddhahood, which encompasses form body and truth body. Form body being those two, emanation and, and enjoyment. And then truth body being the also two. Um, but yeah. Uh, so, so there must be some kind of uncommon causes that we find within what makes a boy, what makes a girl. There's got to be some uncommon cause that is present for a boy to be produced, an uncommon cause that's present for a girl to be produced. So what is that uncommon cause and common cause? Scientists have machines. <laughs> so this is something we'll ask them about. Yeah. The contributing causes and root and chief causes and so forth. But uh, slowly, um, when we look at this, these are the kind of doubts that arise when when we see and w w doubts that arise and need to be clarified. Mm. So then we can make it even more subtle and we say we have eyes, we have ears, we have nose. Um, what are the, uh, and we have parents. Um, what caused what? How, what caused what to occur? What caused the ear to occur? What caused the nose and the eye and so forth? Uh, so when you get to this section, so many things can occur in terms of doubt. Um, that arise when you, when you look at this correctly. And again, in the context when we use this word doubt, it's a positive doubt. It's a good thing to occur, not a doubt like, oh, I don't believe in this anymore. Um, it's a doubt. Um, I wish there was really a better translation of that word. Um, anybody has any ideas um, but later? But yeah, it's a doubt, but it's a positive um, occurrence. Um, that it's like an inquiry more than a doubt. It's like uh, this, this causes you to inquire further. If I could just use that, that this causes you to inquire further instead of the word doubt, I think it would make more sense. Digson Rinpoche. So we can see how this collection of exalted wisdom and collection of merit have a col connection, collection have a connection to the form bodies of emanation and, and enjoyment and truth body. So we can say the oh well then this mind that aspires to enlightenment is a cause for the emanation body and the tr uh, enjoyment body of form. Then is it not a cause for the dharmakaya, the truth body? Bodhicitta is not a cause for the dharmakaya to occur. Then 
But this is something that in, uh, so much debate goes on about. So uh, we say that the mind that is the spirit of enlightenment is the cause for the emanation body and the enjoyment body, yes. So is it not the cause for the um, truth body as well? Uh, it's not because it's not within the lineage of it. It's, it's not uh, the chief, uh, it's not the, the chief imprint of it. So then there's a, Rimche is saying that these are responses. It's not the chief imprint of it. Um, so you would say the subject bodhicitta is not the cause of uh, the truth body. It's not the cause of the truth body because it's not in the lineage of that, which is the um, imprint that it leaves, the chief imprint that it leaves. And then the person would come back and say, yes, but it's a contributing cause. Um, so this is a, a debate that takes place that would go back and forth like that. Um, so you would say it's not this, because, and then you would use the definition of uh, um, the collection of merit, which is that which gives rise to um, the form body as the definition to disprove that the form body, the truth body is caused by bodhicitta. So you would use the collection of, just as, as the translators know, but Rimache is explaining this as well, you would use the definition of the collection of merit to sh and show that in the definition it gives rise to these truth, these form bodies to show that bodhicitta doesn't give rise to the dharmakaya. So as a debater, you would use the definition of the collection of merit to negate the idea that bodhicitta causes truth body. So that's how you would debate, and you would have to come up with some other alternative to that definition pervading it. Um, uh, or, or a way around it. And that you'll have to figure out on your own. Decent. This is uh, how a uh, need for inquiry occurs. This is what a need for inquiry is. Nensenji Nipa, <laughs> 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 
Okay, so we went uh, going back. There are two major headings um, in this section dealing with the precepts that cause you not to weaken your spirit of enlightenment in this lifetime. Uh, so that's the section that we just completed. Under that first category, there are four <coughs> headings. The training and the precept to recall the benefits of the spirit of enlightenment in order to increase the strength of your enthusiasm for it. Second category, training in the <coughs> precept to generate the spirit of enlightenment six times each day in order to increase uh, the actual spirit of enlightenment. Third category, the training in the precept not to mentally abandon the living <coughs> you develop the spirit of enlightenment. And then the fourth category, which we just went over, those two accumulations of <coughs> merit and sublime wisdom and the uh, training in the precept to accumulate those collections of merit and sublime wisdom. So we've completed that section, which is dealing with this lifetime. The next section deals with the future lives um, that cause you not to separate from your bodhicitta in the, your future lives, next lives, <coughs> and so on. Life after that, after that, after that. Um, so that then has, according to the Lamrim Chemo, two major headings. Uh, so we're back to the very beginning of the outline, two major categories. We're now starting the second category. <coughs> Training in the precepts that cause you not to separate from your spirit of enlightenment in future lifetimes has two sections. The training in the precept to eliminate the four dark practices which weaken the spirit of enlightenment. The training in the precept to adopt the four light practices which keep the spirit of enlightenment from weakening. So in the Tibetan it says black and white but it's okay, it doesn't matter. The, the dark and the light, um, and the reason it might matter is because the white karma, we remember from before, is a kind of virtue. <coughs> uh, white karma is. So white practices. Um, just keep in mind that this word for dark and light is black and white, just in case there's a connective point that it needs. You'll see. It's really the black dharmas and white dharmas are the words that are in Tibetan. It says, training the precepts to eliminate the black four black dharmas and to adopt the four white dharmas. Yeah. So where do we find uh, this point that there is black karma and white karma? We find this point of black and white karma uh, in uh, uh, the, the Kabayare, Bechigari. Lesser. 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 
Okay, so we find where is this presentation of black and white karma given? We find it in the Kangjur, in the pronouncements of Lord Buddha. Uh, and it says, in the Kashapa chapter of the Ratnakuta collection, there are statements that list the four practices with respect to not actualizing or forgetting the spirit of enlightenment in future lifetimes that list the four practices with respect to actualizing and not forgetting the spirit of enlightenment, not casting it aside until you reach enlightenment. They are presented as precepts of the aspirational spirit of enlightenment or advices related to aspiring spirit of enlightenment. The four, black the four black dharmas are as follows. Okay. Um, so uh, now we get to the four dark dharm four black dharmas, um, and there's a lot of points that are made within here. Uh, it begins with deception, uh, lying to abbots, masters, gurus, and those who are objects of worthy of offering. Uh, um, basis worthy of So Giant Sheba says there's five um, categories that will be found within this section. Okay. Lesser. <laughs> Kulala Pember Dubatan, Jine Layan, Hamani Tanzo Pember Dubatan, Jine Ness, Jine and Dutch Momisha, you can do to Mendoa, Lama Maina, Hamani Tanzo, Matu John, you attend the Tempers, Lama de Lube Maina, Lama de Lube, she have no way over this. Yeah. 
So we have uh, the first of these four black dharmas is deception, deceiving abbots, masters, gurus, and those worthy of offerings. Understand this in terms of two approaches, the objects of action and what you do to these objects. According to the explanation in Srimati's commentary on Kashapa chapter, uh, the objects are abbots and masters. This is obvious. Gurus, those who want to help, and those worthy of offerings, those not included in the rank of the previous two groups, they have good qualities. What might you do to these objects that would be a dark black dharma? Mm-hmm. So it's important when we first look at this um, to understand that when we say black dharma, white dharma, black dharma would be considered uh, the non-virtues, ten non-virtues, for, for instance, three of the body, four of the speech, and three of the mind. Those would be considered black dharmas, anything non-virtue. White dharmas would be the abandonment of non-virtue. So the ethics which abandons non-virtue, any among those ten previously or just mentioned, would be considered a white dharma. Um, so this is the difference. So it's important to know when we see these words, black and white, what they mean. White means virtue, black means non-virtue in this context. Um, so this is uh, what is meant. Then Rimache, nge triwa, the ewa jeyure. Okay. 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 So <coughs> then not, again, when we look at these, the, the, a doubt arises. So you're saying that um, uh, an action 
such as killing. So the action killing is, is black, so it's a color. It can't be a color because color is form. Color is defined as that which is suitable to be shown as hue. It's in the category of form. So how can we say that an action is a color? We're not saying that. We're saying it's named that. It's just you, that name is used, um, but it's not saying that it's a color. The action isn't a color. The non-virtue is not a color black or a shade, whatever you want to say. And, and a virtue isn't a shade or a color white. It's just nominally designated as that. Now, why have they used this name, black or white? Um, uh, to explain these kinds of actions. And the reason that in the commentaries is, it says that because non-virtues are a producer of suffering, we say that those are black dharmas. And because virtues are producers of happiness, we say that those are white dharmas. Um, so you could say light and dark also. I think that you could use that in looking at this. Um, so we'd say that because... Virtues lead to happiness, those are light or white dharmas, because non-virtues lead to suffering, those actions are considered black or dark. I bet you could use positive and negative, too, if you looked at etymology. Um, so, um, but if we look literally at the word in Tibetan, it's black and white. Um, so um, it, that's the reason for this use of the nom naming of black. We aren't saying the action is a color, because it makes no sense, because actions aren't form. Um, but, and, and form is, is not, there's no common locus between that, but we're saying that it's named as such because of what it produces. It produces a black or negative experience, a experience of suffering. Dixon, Sebola. I don't know so we find uh, these points of made that what are the objects of observation of the path of seeing and of the path of meditation. And, uh, so the object of observation is all phenomena. And, and uh, what uh, so when we look at what is the object, I see now, what is the object of observation of uh, being on the path of seeing or the path of meditation? The object of observation is all phenomena. When we look at what are all phenomena, this is from the Abhisama Alamkara um, Matreya's um, ornament to clear realization where it says, what is all phenomena? All phenomena is virtue, non-virtue, that which has not been presented in scripture, the two permanent and impermanent phenomena and all others. Um, so, uh, when asked what are these things, these are examples. Virtue, non-virtue, uh, not presented in scripture, or neutral, and then impermanent and impermanent things. Okay, so we'll end there. Um, thank you very much. And we'll go back over this in the future. Thank you, everyone.
very, very clear. So concluding model offering, dedication, prayer. And if everybody could just keep within their prayers, uh, um, Katie, uh, Catherine's um, father passed away. Um, so if we could just make an aspirational prayer that if he has not um, entered the intermediate state, may the words of this teaching have rung in his ears in the intermediate state so he can find a rebirth into the higher realms and specifically, hopefully, a human rebirth where he or she can hear the Dharma and become enlightened. <laughs> Uh, Rinpoche just reiterated that Katie's father passed away, so make a good aspirational prayer. The fundamental ground is scented with incense and strewn with flowers, adorned with Mount Meru, the four continents, the sun and the moon. I imagine this as a Buddha land and offer it. May all sentient beings enjoy this pure realm. I dedicate whatever virtues I have collected for the benefit of the teachings and of all sentient beings and in particular for the essential teachings of Venerable Lozandrapa to shine forever. I send forth this jeweled mandala to you, precious guru. I dedicate all this virtue to emulate the knowledge of the hero Manjushri and likewise Samantabhadra as well. With whatever dedication is praised as supreme by all the conquerors who traverse the three times, I also dedicate all my roots of virtue for the sake of auspicious deeds. In that pure land surrounded by snowy mountains, you are the source of all benefit and happiness. All-powerful Avogateshvara, Tenzin Yatso, may you stay until samsara's end. Pray for the long life of the precious Kensar Wandak, upholder of scriptural and realizational doctrines, spiritual friend who trained extensively in the five great philosophical texts, with exceptional wisdom and perseverance. Suji Rimichi Gutsi Shapi Denala, Sulam Rimchemo Kangatrunna.